Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mother of four, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of the Crystal Payne Show. Jesse, we had a milestone anniversary just a few days ago. 20 years. How does that feel? Um, it's numbing. No, I'm kidding. Uh, it, sometimes it feels like that's been a really long time. And others, it's like it has gone by so fast. Well, it's weird because when we were back in Kansas for Christmas, my family pulled out the old videos and they were playing our wedding video for us, which is on VHS. My mom was like, you should watch this sometime. You have it. And I was like, I don't have a way to watch VHS. They have some converter thing, but we don't have one of those. And so we were watching it and it was just, it kind of felt like another lifetime ago. Mm -hmm. And so on the one hand, 20 years feels like a long time, like you said, and also like a short time. Like it feels like we've been married for forever. And it also feels like, man, 20 years. Well, we've also had a relationship before 20 years. So that's one reason why it seems like it's been longer than 20 years. That's true, because we met when we were 9 and 10. And so it's it's like my mom was saying, I'm almost hitting the place where I've been married for longer than I lived at home. And that's kind of interesting. So today on the podcast, we are going to share some of the lessons that we have learned in 20 years of marriage. And I have six, but Jesse... Who knows by the end of this, whether it will be more than six or we'll stay with six, but for sure six that I wanted to share and you'll probably pipe in with some others. But um, one that's not on my list is don't believe everything you dream. Okay, so there's number seven. (laughs) There's number seven. Uh, Jesse woke up the other morning and (laughs) he had said, oh, I slept so well last night. I dreamed these dreams. And you know that Jesse has slept really well if he has dreams. And then if he remembers part of his dream, it was a good night of sleep because I I dream, it rarely ever happens. I dream almost every single night and I can usually recount my dreams. And I know you're going to interject and say, and you're usually the hero of your dreams. Yes. No, I I hadn't even thought about that. I I do. There's a lot of things that I do in my dreams of like saving people from near death experiences and just, I'm like this hero in my dream. But anyway, so you had this dream that I had been super rude to you and do you you remember all that you probably can't remember all the details now but it was it it was something in the context of you were very offended by how i had treated you in the dream and Mm -hmm. i think you kind of woke up almost like carrying this little grudge and i was like honey it was a dream no no i wasn't carrying a grudge it was more like um Wow. The fact that I can remember the dream, that's what I got to share that with you. But we were laughing because I, on the other hand, also had a dream, which is not uncommon. But in my dream, you were sitting next to me and I was just sitting there thinking, I'm just so grateful to be married to him or thoughts like that. So yeah. 
20 years, I guess you can then laugh about those kinds of things. I just finished an audiobook that was recommended to me by a lot of people on Instagram. I feel like it's different than my typical, but it was called The Bookwoman of Troublesome Creek. And Jesse, you have heard me talk about this multiple times about the blue people and yes, about yes. the like, um, pack, not heard that title. pack horse librarians. Yeah. It's a fascinating story about two pieces of history that I'd never heard of before. It's in the Kentucky kind of backwoods of Kentucky and it's about the blue people. It is a fiction book, but based upon historical facts of People who in Kentucky, because it was such small communities, they oftentimes were intermarrying in families, cousins marrying cousins. And there was a particular family that had this gene and they married. And because both family members had the gene, it turned their skin blue. And there's a picture on Wikipedia I saw of these blue people. It's very interesting. It is interesting. And not all of the family would have it. And some of them would have it stronger than, like, they'd be more blue than others. Um, But in the book, they were, it's set a little bit after the Depression era. And um, they were very looked down on. Like, Mm -hmm. they were considered colored And people thought they had this terrible disease and just wouldn't touch them, wouldn't interact with them in a way that, you know, they had to use the outhouse and that sort of thing. They weren't, they didn't want to catch whatever it was because there was just a misunderstanding. Um, So it was a very fascinating book of just that, which I'd never heard of before, but then also the Pack Horse Librarian Project, which is um, people who were hired by the government to bring libraries basically on a horse to different homes. So these homes that would be far out, um, they would bring library books to them and people would quote, check them out. And then they would, you know, return them and they'd bring them new ones. And to, it was just a project from what I understand to really encourage literacy mm-hmm. in these communities where they didn't have books. And so they were getting books that were kind of cast off from wealthy people, but they were so excited for these books and newspapers and magazines. Sometimes they would talk about how the newspapers would be months old, but they would still be very excited to get to read them or to have someone read them to them. So there's a sequel to it and it's about the woman's daughter. So I'm interested to uh, read that. And um, so again, go ahead. So obviously they had children. They did. Um, and in the book, this is kind of like they were dying off and mm-hmm. kind of the last, it was the last of the blue people is, um, is it, is there still people that have that recessive gene? I don't think so because I think it was because they were intermarrying in mm-hmm. the family. And so if you married someone who didn't have that gene or who was outside of the family, then it would, you wouldn't then have it wouldn't it'd still be a recessive it wouldn't continue on yeah. like it had to be in that family so they That's were interesting it was just very fascinating and very interesting and there's been a lot of medical research on it mm-hmm. um 
And so I want to, I want to research more, but I did go on Wikipedia, which I know is not the, it's very scientific I, not the gr- greatest thing, but it was, I just was kind of making sure like this was an, a legit thing. And so then it had all these references to different things. So again, that was called the book woman of troublesome Creek. It's by Kim Michelle Richardson. What's saving my life this week? Well, one of the things we're going to talk about when we get to the marriage thing, just you don't know, but uh, I got a mini fridge from Catherine for Christmas, like a mini, mini fridge, a really tiny one. That was something that I wanted. Um, might I would call seem that a silly. micro fridge. Maybe, that's, it's that's not true. even a mini fridge. Micro fridge. I guess a lot of people use them for their makeup. There's certain makeup products or face, not makeup, but face products that are supposed to be kept cold. So they'll have this little micro fridge um, in their room. But I put it down in my office and Catherine brought, bought me different drinks to go in it. It can only have a few drinks in it once, but I also got the little half and half. And so then I can make tea with the Keurig that she bought me last year, the little mini Keurig, and then have it down in my office. And it just feels really, I don't know, like this extravagant, luxurious sort of thing to down in my office, have this little fridge and this little Keurig and I can make myself tea and put half and half in it and then also have some drinks in my fridge to just um, stay hydrated. And so that's something that's been um, fun. But also I there's been many times when I've been down here working and been super thirsty. And honestly, I feel like in the past, I would just keep working, but because I have it here, it's mm-hmm. just encouraging me to stay hydrated. I wanted to mention that we've talked a little bit about on the podcast, my new book that's coming out March 7th, The Time-Saving Mom, How to Juggle a Lot, Enjoy Your Life, and Accomplish What Matters Most, just kind of really my best tricks and strategies and practices for being able to do a lot and also have peace and joy in the midst of it. So if you are interested in that book, we are doing a number of fun things to encourage people to pre-order. If you are unfamiliar with pre-orders and you've heard authors talking about encouraging people to pre-order, this is why they are encouraging people to pre-order because it is such a big deal for the book. If a book doesn't have hardly any pre-orders, Amazon will not order very many copies, which then means when launch comes around, a lot of times then they will sell out and then the book will be sold out and it will say out of stock. So then you're going to lose a bunch of sales because of that. But not only that, if Amazon sees a bunch of people pre-ordering, then Amazon starts promoting it to a lot of people. So if you go on Amazon and you buy books on Amazon, you'll see that it'll say recommended for you. Well, those are based upon what Amazon sees as the books that are kind of up and coming, getting a lot of orders, um, doing well. So that's why pre-orders are so important because Amazon becomes your best marketer for free if a lot of people pre-order your book. Plus it encourages them to place a big order so that your book doesn't go out of stock. Same thing for other smaller sites like christianbook.com, Barnes & Noble, Target, Walmart. Target and Walmart aren't smaller sites, but when it comes to book sales, Mm -hmm. they're smaller sites. Just encouraging as many pre-orders. Now, right now 
on Baker Books. They are the publisher that my publishing house is under. They have the best deal and we'll link to it in the show notes, but it's 40% off plus free shipping. That is the best deal that is on the internet. And when you pre-order, we are going to be offering a number of different fun surprises and freebies for people who pre-order. So you'll want to be keeping an eye on moneysavingmom.com as well as on Instagram. I will be sharing those there. We're going to have things like, I'm going to be doing a how to tame your email inbox course, and I'm going to have accountability and walk you through. Um, We're going to probably do something with goal setting and habits, an accountability group for habits. I have some fun printables that we're going to offer and other things. So you don't want to miss out. And the sooner you pre-order, the more freebies you're going to be able to qualify for. So pre-order the book and then check moneysavingmom.com. And on Instagram, I'm the money saving mom for all the details. I'm going to try to release one new freebie a month, not a month, one new freebie a week leading up to the book launch. But I'm living real life right now. And so the book stuff happens in the cracks of time. So it might not be that might not end up with eight freebies, but that's the goal. And then also, if I don't get to all of them before the book launch, you will be able to get them after the book launch just because of ordering the book. So a little behind the scenes of book launch, but I wanted to share that on here. This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in, and all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Okay, so Jesse, things that we've learned in 20 years of marriage. One of the first things that came to mind was saying, I love you often. It's a simple thing, but I feel like it's that reminder of, I choose you. I love you. Mm -hmm. It's that communicating to your spouse that you care about them. And it's not just something that you do when you get married and when you stand up before God and the witnesses to say, you know, I do. I do is something that you continue to say 
in your life and in your actions and in your words. And so saying I love you often is one way that I just feel like a very tangible, practical way to keep the sparks flying and to remind yourself and remind your spouse of the depth of your relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even doing it when you don't feel like it, because like you said, it's a choosing and a daily choosing. And as you do it over and over, it gets easier and easier. I was just telling the kids recently, I don't think I shared this on the podcast, but how sometimes I love you, but I don't like you. And I know you would feel the same way. Like love is not based right. upon how you feel about a person. Right. It's based upon your choice toward that person. Like you can love your enemies. You know, if that scripture talks about not, I'm not saying you're my enemy, but I'm just saying like in general, love is not based upon someone else's actions. Now, in a strong marriage, it takes two. And so hopefully both of you are choosing to love and choosing to show up. But saying I love you and choosing love, even when the feeling is not there, mm -hmm. because feelings follow action. And mm -hmm. so when you act as if you love someone, then many times the feelings are going to follow that. And I think, you know, so it's a daily thing that you're choosing love. I think of, you know, with our kids sometimes where they're doing things that don't really make me, you know, want to like them, but I will always love them. Right. It's, a, it's commitment, action, feeling. That's love. It's one of all that. It's not just a feeling. It's not just an action. It's not just a commitment. It's all of it. One of the things I also think that we've learned is to go out of our way to make each other laugh. And I kind of said- It's easier it, for some than others. You laugh much more easily than I do. Although I feel like the older I get, the more that laughter has become my- You laugh because of corniness. So I think it's victory, a victory whenever I get you to laugh. Yes, you you always feel very accomplished when you get me to laugh. And so it might be showing you a funny video. It might be sending you a meme. It might be telling you a story of something that one of the kids did or something that happened in my life. But just sharing things that make the other person laugh. Like I just feel like laughter is such medicine. It is so healing. And if we are not laughing regularly... I feel like we're not fully living. Yeah, I understand that. Give your spouse time and space to do things that they love and that bring them life. That's another thing that I wrote down. And I alluded to this earlier in the podcast about what's saving my life. And this is something that we have been seeking to implement and recognizing with having three little ones under three that we were doing a lot of I don't know exactly how to say it, but both of us were just kind of all hands on deck and constantly being interrupted, which we're so grateful for this, you know, this gift of these three children. But I think both of us were feeling worn down mm -hmm. from the constant interruptions. And so recognizing that both of us need some space in our life where we are able to think and breathe and focus. Mm -hmm. And so we started 
setting times each day where one of us is watching all three while the other one has time to just do whatever. You mm-hmm. can work out, you can go for a drive, you can take a nap, you can work on work, whatever it is that will fill your soul or that you need to accomplish, that's your time to do it. And like you're off, you're off duty when right. it comes to kids. And then doing this every day and and we've been trying to give at least a three hour time block, usually a four hour time block. And I think you would agree with me. It's, it's been, been amazing. It's changed our life. And Micah, he wasn't at a place where we could have done this a few months ago just because he was constantly, well, he was nursing every two hours and also just wanting me. And he's gotten a lot better about being able to go a little bit longer between mm-hmm. feeds. He will sometimes take a bottle. He's not great with the bottle, but sometimes will. And just also be okay with being with you mm-hmm. and being just enjoying like you and him. He feels more, he just didn't, I don't know. He just wanted to be with me all the time. So I wonder why. (laughs) And so this has just been a really fantastic thing for us to implement. And I feel like we are both, our marriage is stronger because of this. Oh, definitely. Mm -hmm. And we're both just knowing that, okay, like I can focus on the little kids and pour into them and love them and take care of them for this time block. And then later on, we're going to swap. And so it comes back to the love that we talked about. That is an active way of showing love because you're putting the needs of your spouse ahead of yours and giving them and providing them an opportunity to have the freedom and the headspace to be able to do what they need to fill themselves. Yeah. So giving your spouse that time and space to do the things that they love and that bring them life. For you, I know getting in a workout every day and you were just feeling frustrated Mm -hmm. because you were not consistently getting in workouts. And now that we've made this change, it has allowed you to almost every single day, I think, Mm -hmm. get in a workout. And if you're not getting in one, well, it's on me. That's on you. Same Mm -hmm. thing for me. Like if I'm not using that time wisely, that's on me. Um, So just, you know, that's how it's in our life, but in your life, in your marriage, thinking of, what could that look like for you? How would you give your spouse time and space to do things that they love and that bring them life? Another one is to flirt every day. We've talked about this in previous episodes on the podcast, but I still like to include it on my list. I just think it's so important. It can take seven seconds to just give a look or send some emojis or you know, just do something that's just saying, I'm thinking about you. Mm-hmm. I love you. I you know, like you are someone that I desire, like that, how I used to feel about you, I still feel about you. And that I haven't lost that in the busyness of life. That's important because what happens once the kids are gone, Mm -hmm. all you have is each other. Mm -hmm. And if you don't work to um, facilitate your relationship and, and continue to grow your relationship, you're not going to have a good relationship once those things that hold you together are gone. If the kids are the glue that holds you together, it's going to fall apart Mm -hmm. when they are grown and gone. And so recognizing you need to have those things that are just for the two of you. And I think we really came face to face with this whenever we had our older three and Silas was getting to the age where 
he didn't need our help much anymore. You know, and we could just mm-hmm. see in five more years, our kids are going to be so independent and it's just going to be us. And what are we doing right now to build into us? Mm-hmm. And then we had three more kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess, I guess that's what we were doing to yeah. build into us. But I, I think just recognizing that was really helpful to us. You know, also saying, do we have friendships that aren't based upon our children? Right. I was talking to a woman the other day who was saying how she realized once her kids got older, so many of her friends were because she was going to sporting events for her kids or things for her kids and and her relationships were in that. And so then when her kids got older and they were no longer at home and doing those things, she didn't have those friendships. And so just the importance of building in those relationships for the long haul that aren't dependent upon your kids. Another thing I wrote down was find the good and call it out. Also just gratitude in general. It's so easy to focus on what your spouse is not doing that you want them to be doing or what you wish that they would stop doing, the things that are irritating you, the things that are just really eating at you and annoying you and what you're frustrated with about them. It's so easy to criticize, but how much are you praising? Look for the good, find the good and praise it. And when you start looking for it, you're going to see it a lot more because what we look for is what we see. I think that oftentimes we think so much in the negative or about what we're frustrated with or annoyed with that that's all we see. If we're going to, if we, if a lot if things are annoying us a lot, it's because that's what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. And then finally, a strong marriage doesn't just happen. It's something that you need to put time and intention and sacrifice into. It means showing up on the good days and on the hard days. You know, the for better or for worse in sickness and in health is a real thing. And I think in 20 years, we can look back and see there have been many patches in our life where it was not for better, it was for worse. (laughs) Like It was just Mm -hmm. really hard. And you have a choice in those moments, in those weeks and months and sometimes years when it is hard to either keep putting in the time and intention or to say, just, you know, I'm tired and this is too much work. But I feel like it is so worth the work. And again, that's a, it's a two kind of thing. Like it's, it's not a one-sided thing. It's a two-sided where both spouses, you know, I'm speaking in terms of you and your spouse are putting in the work. And I always think I want to put in 150% Mm -hmm. instead of focusing on what they're doing or what they're not doing. What am I doing? How am I building into this relationship? How am I pouring in? How am I serving and loving and giving and sacrificing That's what I want to focus on. And it seems like every time when I'm more focused on that than on maybe what I wish you would be doing or how you could be doing more or whatever, when I focus on just on me, it changes us. It changes my perspective of us. And I feel like we are stronger. And like you said about what you focus on, then I start to see more good. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I'm pouring in good instead of just sitting over here going, 
Why is he not doing more? Mm-hmm. Man, I wish he would be doing more. Why is he not like this? Um, you know, I, I think that's important because when you try to give 150%, there might be a time where you feel like you're at a breaking point because you're giving so much and giving and giving and giving and not seeing how your spouse is giving and giving and giving as well. I mean, what I was thinking is it's good when both of you feel like you're both giving 150%. So it's not, marriage is not 50, 50, it's 150 and 150 Mm -hmm. and it takes hard work. I mean, that if I think of the commonalities between everything that you've brought up so far, it is that marriage is hard work. It doesn't just happen. Mm -hmm. You need to be intentional about it. Otherwise it's going to fall apart. When you think of any relationship, Mm -hmm. I mean, any relationship is going to require time and intention and sacrifice if it's going to be a strong relationship. They don't, relationships don't just happen. Right. They have to be nurtured. And same thing for a marriage. And if you take it for granted, if you just get so busy that you're not putting in the attention, that you're not flirting and saying, I love you and saying thank you and giving them time and space to do things that they love and caring about them and showing up for them and mm-hmm. making them laugh and finding the good and calling it out. If you're not doing those things, you know, they're all just small things, but those small things add up to the building blocks of a strong marriage. Yep. And so what we do every day, it matters and it adds up. And I just look back on the last 20 years and so many things have gone on in our lives some that we could have never dreamed or imagined. And there are constantly opportunities for us to trust the Lord and work together. And some days we do it better than others. And, you know, having three teenagers and three little ones and a full-time business that we run from our home is always an adventure. It's never dull. Mm -hmm. Every day it requires organization, communication, adaptability, creativity, flexibility, and lots of patience. Adaptability and flexibility are so important. And, you know, we have those moments when we're really irritated and annoyed with each other. But more and more, we've learned that it's worth it to fight for our marriage and for each other instead of just fighting to be right or to prove the other person wrong. And so even when we're tired, even when we wonder how it's all going to work out, even when we miscommunicate, to keep showing up and choosing each other, choosing to love even on the days when we don't feel like it and when it's hard, when there's tension, it is so worth it. And so happy 20 years, Jesse. I don't, I feel like hopefully there's, let's see, 60 more years, Mm -hmm. 60 more years in our future. (laughs) Maybe we can hit that 80 years married. We'll see what God has. We're excited for it, but I'm grateful for you. And we'd love to hear from the rest of you who are listening. If you have things that you would add or thoughts or feedback, we always love to hear from you. Send us an email, crystal at moneysavingmom.com. Have a great week and we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com.